welcome to Let's Talk Church. I'm Brian. And I'm Matt. We're here to talk about all that is going on in the church world. In this podcast, we find blog posts, articles, and vicious rumors about the church world, and we talk about it. All right, Matt, let's do it. Let's talk church. Hello, everybody. Uh, So we're back once again this week. Just here to talk about church. Uh, so Matt and I have been uh, out and about running this week. It's just been a it's been a busy week for me. I don't know about Matt, but my week was full to the brim every day. Um, so I'm I'm glad to get to sit down and just get to visit with Matt and and talk about what we've got going this week. Matt, how was your week? Oh, my week was very busy. I was in Baltimore this week, and uh, man. A lot of stuff going up there near our nation's capital. But listen, I'm super excited uh, this week. We got a cool story we're going to talk about, and we brought in a good friend of ours, Trina Sanford, today. Trina, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, y'all. I'm Trina. Um, I'm a follower of Christ. I've been serving at my church for eight years. I'm a proud grandma and mother and wife and just happy to be here. We're sure glad to have you, Trina. Um, Matt, you want to tell us about this this article? Yeah. What do we got going on here? So this article here is titled, it's from uh, Christianity Today. We seem to cover a lot of stuff from them. Um, right. It's, it's, it was an interview here with um, a Southern Baptist minister named Dana Moore. I'm um, talking about the power of prayer and the state death chamber. The title of the article is, Can This Texas Pastor Lay Hands on an Inmate During Execution? There's an inmate down there on death row um, up for execution. He uh, mm-hmm. guilty of stabbing another man to death, and the state's going to kill him for it. Right. And um, he would like to have his pastor with him. And the, the Supreme Court has ruled the pastor is allowed to be in the room. But he's taking it one step further, and he he says he wants the pastor to be able to lay hands on him during the execution. And uh, the state disagrees. So there's a lawsuit going on about that currently. And this article kind of goes into that. It goes into, you know, why would an SBC pastor be laying on of hands? Right. And is that something we do? And does that really matter to somebody on death row like this? And if it does or doesn't matter, should it be allowed? So, uh, there's a lot of questions in this, in this, this article here. There's a lot of things to, to kind of break down overall. I I will tell you as, as a Christian, I'm hesitant to be pro death penalty in general. Right. Um, and as, uh, y'all know, I lean politically very libertarian. So very not pro government for the most part. That also makes me lean away from the death penalty. When you give the state the power of death, like anything, I think they could misuse it. Right. And so that scares me. Now, on the other hand, you know, it's one of those practical things, if I'm honest. Somebody killed somebody I loved, I'd probably be like, yeah, string them up, you know. <laughs> um, but I'd like to think that I would want to choose forgiveness over the death penalty, but I don't know. What do y'all think? Trina, Brian, what's, what y'all thinking on this? Well, 
I, I do have have thoughts and, and questions. I, I did notice that um, the Supreme Court has allowed for a stay of execution um, while they're sorting out what all this actually means because it it made it to them as a uh, freedom of religion question, right? And so they, they said, well, hold up. Let's talk it through. Um, well, you don't want to make, you can't, it's not like you can go back and fix this. Right, yeah. So, so they got to put a stay on there. And honestly, that might be a strategy, right? You know, the lawyers are going to try to do anything they can to stop the death penalty. Right. To yeah, get more it, time. That's, that's one of those... Whenever I first read it, uh, my thought was, how much of this is really him wanting um, a religious experience at the moment of death versus just a chance to stave off the execution and potentially even take it well beyond you know, a, a month's worth of, of legal battle. So... I, I don't really know. I, I definitely want to hear Trina's thoughts. I know that uh, Trina's church has done prison ministry and, and things like that. So I'd love to, to get your thoughts, Trina, on everything is everything here. Well, my thoughts are, I mean, I understand both points of it. The death penalty I sort of kind of straddle the fence on. I understand it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand, like Matt said, if somebody, you know, did something to my family, I would totally understand it. And I was an inmate, and I served 15 months, and I know during that time, human contact, just the mere touch of someone, it really meant a lot. So I, I could understand whereas he's trying not to die not that that's why he's doing this but i can understand him trying to get a stay but i totally understand you know i would i understand that he would want some kind of touch during that moment because he's been there this whole time and you can't touch anyone whenever we would have sunday service and in prison it would mean so much when they just you know like touched our shoulder or just any kind of human contact because you can't, I mean, you spend that whole time and you don't even get a hug from anyone. It just really does something to the soul. So I can understand being in that point when you're fixing to, you know, be executed, have, wanting to have your pastor lay hands on you, if nothing else, just to ease some of the fear. Well, and you know, you bring that up in the article is an interview, right? And in the interview, they said, when you met John, which is the man on death row, you talked through phones through a plexiglass window. And the pastor answered, yes. And he said, so you've never touched him, right? You've never been able to lay hands on him on your praying? And the pastor said, no. So the pastor, he's never, you're right, he's never had his pastor touch him. He's never been able to shake his hand or give him a hug or anything like that. Um, so that's a, that's a great point, Trina. He's not had that ever. And he's just asking for one touch at the very end, right? Yes, seems to be. Uh, you know, that that kind of brings us to, I know that you and I during the week uh, kind of talked about uh, one of my big questions with this because, you know, I grew up 
in a Baptist church. Um, and there was never really a, a spiritual reason explained for touch during prayer, right? There was always a, we do it because it's been done. We do it because, you know, it makes people feel good. And it, it kind of made me wonder if a lot of this was more that psychiatric, psychological. Obviously, this has been several years um, for this guy. 2009 was when he was received on death row. And the moment that you get on death row, there is no contact with the outside world. There is no contact with other people. You're alone, right? So he's been alone for 12 years now. I, I can just imagine the psychological need for that touch, you know, like Trina was talking about. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of that. I was more focused on the Baptists don't do this, the, the charismatic spiritual side of things in most cases. So why would it matter in this case? But in thinking about the psychological need for 12 years, never touching anybody else in your last moment to, to have that feeling again would mean a lot. See, friends, this is why we brought Trina on here. Right. She would end up saying something that would totally make us think, what? And we hadn't even, neither one of us had really thought about that, Trina. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad y'all have never been to prison. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, not yet, anyway. <laughs> huh. See, now, you, now you've got me thinking. <laughs> But Brian, you were you did bring up about you know charismatics and touching and Baptists and touching, and this is a Southern Baptist pastor, right? right? And I also come from a Southern Baptist church. I go to a Southern Baptist church, and I was taught now you know the, the church that I learned most things from was considered very Babacostal, right? Right. We did an anointing with oil, laying on of hands. I don't know that we ever talked about the scripture of exactly why we do that. I can think of some small examples, but of exactly why we lay on of hands, we definitely never supposed that we possessed a power. We were embowing onto someone else, like some Benny Hinn, knock them down with a blanket with a jacket type thing. Right. <laughs> right. But it was very much a thing. And I will tell you, I learned about prayer that often it is not about us but it is about the person receiving it. Um, and so I've always thought that touching somebody as you pray for them or things like that is often more about the, the closeness, the fellowship, the kind of what you're, 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 I don't know what the words I'm looking for here as, as you're doing it, you know, I hate to use the word makes them feel good, but it's kind of what I'm thinking. Right. Right. Um, but it's not just about feel good. It's about, comfort and that sort of thing but the prayers would be just as effective if we weren't touching and i think that's the argument that some are making here in this case is that even if the if the pastor's standing in the room he could be just as effective spiritually as whether he was touching or not touching and trina brings up psychologically but i know the counter argument to that would be he's on death row he's a murderer he's been convicted of murder why do we care about a psychological well-being 
But I right. do know the state has established that psychological well-being is a valid thing that needs to be cared about as part of his medical stuff. We can't kill a sick person, you know? Right. They have to be in fairly good health for us to execute them, which is terribly ironic. <laughs> right. I don't know. Trina, what do you think? I know that your church practices the laying on of hands. Have you ever been taught why that is? No, um, I honestly haven't. We don't really do too much of the laying on, on hands. It's whenever we're gathered around, you know, a woman in need or whatever, we all, you know, touch her, not for any really biblical sense, but just to let her know that, you know, we care for her, we're there for her, and just sometimes just, you know, a, a friendly touch just lets you open up a lot more than, you know, if we're just sitting there praying, because not all times they're exactly where they need to be. And, you know, it's, I hate to say it, but like you're just talking to the air or something, but if you physically touch someone while you're talking to God, then, you know, it lets them open up more and really, you know, receive Christ more. I don't know if any of that even made sense. I know Brian wants to respond to that. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm just thinking, you know, it's it's interesting the experience that that y'all have in which uh you both are in churches or from churches that participated in these things without explaining the spiritual significance of them. Whereas I grew up in a church where it was the spiritual side of it was explicitly denied, right? It was, I mean, I've, I've heard sermons that say, you know, when you lay hands on someone, there is absolutely nothing spiritual going on. Right. And see, I and, think that's, it's one of those evidence things. It's kind of hard to argue that because of right? experience. Exactly. You know, and it's, it's so, so interesting that three of us in Baptist churches have had such different experiences, right? You know, with where I am now, spiritually, I understand that there is a spiritual significance to it, right? That there is a spiritual significance to touch. And you can see that all throughout the Bible, you know, touch was vital right? Paul laid hands on, on people and they received the Holy Spirit. Paul laid hands on Timothy and, and gave him apostolic ministry, right? There was importance there. There was spiritual ritual that had to occur, right? So it's, it's, it's interesting. For me, it's, it's had to be a complete 180 throughout my life, not recently, but you guys seem to already be towards that side of there, there might be something spiritual here, but we've never explicitly didn't defined it. Right. Whereas on my side, it was explicitly denied, but now I'm experiencing it in a, in a way that it is defined. And I find that really interesting. Well, you know, I've been accused of being a liberal in many things. <laughs> <laughs> and I probably take the more liberal view here, and that is that one, 
you mentioned about a certain ritual has to be done. I would somewhat reject that because if you do look at the biblical examples of touch and miracles or touch and things happening, um, they vary enough that I wouldn't say, and it's not, and, and some of those same things happen without touch, right? I would say that the, the difference is faith or the common denominator is faith, not so much touch, but I wouldn't say the touch is nothing. Um, and that's where the whole liberal thing would come in. I think there is leeway to let God work. Oh, you know? um, it is, it's, it's, it's often folly for us to put God in a little box and say, only if you do X, Y, Z, will God do Y, you right. know, um, the Lord is vast and mysterious. And I'm not going to say, use that as an excuse to say anything and everything is permissible or, or, or what have you. But I think we've got to leave some leeway for 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 God to be sovereign and 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 to have His own way of doing things, and not be stuck in a box. Mm-hmm. I would agree. So, what what do y'all think about this this ministry that Second Baptist Church has for the people on death row? Because it's honestly, when I was reading the article, I was thinking about talking to Robert about it because we have our prison ministry. And I know that it really means a lot to the guys, but I didn't think about the like visitations and the stuff like that. And I, I honestly want to bring it to my preacher's attention that, you know, there's we could totally do something like this because when you're in a setting like that, a prison setting, there is so much spirituality and a closeness to God with these inmates that, I mean, it's just, it touches you to be able to be around it because I mean, you have to understand I was in prison and it's 24 seven God all the time because you don't have, the outside interferences of a job or, you know, having to clean the house or anything else. So you can totally devote all of your time to the Bible. So, I mean, I would love to get something started like that to where, I mean, it would be not only fulfilling for me, but for the inmates as well. Cause I know they really enjoy it whenever, you know, we go to a, a Cairo's, um, a Cairo's um, graduation. They enjoy seeing people that are not dressed in officers' uniforms. Right. And a lot of times, these people don't get letters. They don't get, you know, I was in there with girls who never got a letter the whole time they were there. And my heart would just hurt for them because, I mean, I, I could totally understand that whenever I, I was a baby criminal. I never got letters or anything. And, you know, it just, you get such a, a feeling of loneliness there that it's, it's just, it's terrible. Yeah. It, it's interesting that you talk about it being um, a chance for a hundred percent God, a hundred percent of the time. Right. Because as, as you were, as you were talking about it, the first thing that I thought was, the prison system should be more like a monastery. <laughs> you know, the 
the monks, right? The the monks in monasteries, that's that's their goal is a hundred percent God, a hundred percent of the time, and you know most of them live individual lives within the monasteries, and devote their time to prayer, to study, to worship, and. It's it's really interesting that we're not we're not taking as much advantage of that in the prison systems as we could be. You know, we. No. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say I've met people who have come out of prison recently, partially through Trina's church and in the church that I was part of that was part of her church uh, in the past, and it's it's amazing when you see the folks who. Uh, spent their time in prison learning uh, learning the Bible, and they come out with just lots of knowledge and lots of uh, zeal, mm-hmm. and, and 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 they want to you know be very faithful and things. And I sometimes see the disappointment in their eyes when they come out to the church outside, and they don't find people that share that as much. Have right. you seen like that before, Trina? Yes, yes. Or, and I hate to say it, but the church. Some churches are not accepting of people with the past, and so they just automatically shut them down, which causes discouragement. And that's a big thing right there, too. But, yes, there's there's not as much zeal, and eventually lights go out, which is really sad, because I know whenever I first got out, I had, I mean, a lot of zeal, and I was ready to go, ready to, you know, take on the world for the Lord. And then, you know, eventually your light just gets dimmer and dimmer. And I wish I still had that. I mean, every day I long for what I had in prison. I don't want to go back to prison, (laughs) but I I long for that closeness again. So do you, and this is, this is going to be a question that I'm sure I I know the answer to. Do you do you think that a big part of the the problem with with people coming out of the prison having done all of this study and and one on one time with God and getting to getting to know Him? Do you think a part of the, the problem when they come out is that they're not finding the church that they expect based on what the scriptures say? Yes, um, I think finding a church at all that's accepting, because you can find a church that, you know, sort of kind of, that I haven't seen a church really based off of the Bible 100%. I would love to say that I have, but I haven't. We'll go with that honesty, Trina. (laughs) um, I mean, but a big part of that is, I mean, Everybody that comes out of prison has a past and you just get out of prison. You don't have a job. You don't have a car. You don't have a life. And automatically all these, you know, and I hate to say this, but all these churchy folks, they just automatically look down on you unless they have really, truly been touched by Christ. And they're really, you know, a a Christ follower. The normal Sunday churchgoers, they just look down on people like me. And, you know, that just, it's very, it's really hard to overcome because you want to go to church 
and you want to keep this this zeal for Christ and you want to go out and conquer the world for God, but in in your mind, you know that these people are judging you. So it just really, it gets to a person. I mean, not my church, of course, because I go to a church of, you know, people like me. We're all, we've all got a past and, you know, we we're trying to, you know, just spread the love of Christ with our past. But if I was to go to a normal Baptist church, I would not feel comfortable. If I had to wear a Sunday dress, oh no, I couldn't <laughs> do it. You know, it's interesting you say that because I go to a church where you don't have to wear a dress, but you'll see a lot of folks wearing dresses. And, you know, <laughs> this is going to surprise you, Trina. I actually dress up for church nowadays. Oh, my God. I wear khakis <laughs> and a polo and uh, real nice clothes and everything. Uh, Chelsea doesn't necessarily wear a dress, but she dresses up. Um, and I dress up because it feels good to dress up and go to church, you know? Not because I feel like I have to to show up at church, but uh, it feels good to be able to do so. And honestly, I have the ability to do so. Not everybody has the ability to do so. And I understand that, you know, not everybody has yeah, nice I would clothes. Probably, Some people have one or no nice clothes. I would feel out of place if I dressed up for church. They would probably think I was going to go to a funeral afterwards. <laughs> and that's cool. And, you know, I love your church and the people there. Uh, but the grandbaby wears the dress every Sunday. <laughs> see, see, you dress her up because you like her to look nice, right? Oh yeah. Uh, I see that. And you know, th they were talking in the story in this article here, kind of bring us back to the article a little bit about how they got started. And uh, it started with a, a chaplain at a county jail uh, met this inmate John Ramirez, but then could not go to prison with him and be and meet with him at the prison. So he asked a couple of ladies from the church to go and they started going and meeting. And then the pastor got involved later. Um, but they were going, just trying to meet with people on death row in, in, in general, you know, and I think that's a great example of the church working together to get that done. And I think that's something a lot of churches miss. I know there are chaplaincy programs and things, but I also know there's a lot of times where county jails and whole prisons have no chaplaincy program and no sort of spiritual influence, um, or they do from other religions. Mm -hmm. you know, that's a, a big thing too. What's your, what's your thoughts on that, Brian? I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, Jesus, Jesus tells us in Matthew 25, you know, that, you either came and visited me in prison or you didn't. And, you know, thinking about all of the things that we've, we've talked about, I, my, my spirit is moved, right? I don't know the direction that it's moved in, but there's something stirring there that that points me to how important that this is that this this type of ministry is that this type of um, spiritual life sh could be 
uh, for a lot of these people. Um, and I, I think it is vitally important that we're praying for these people, both those that are imprisoned and those that are that are visiting them, and praying that that God would provide them true direction. Yeah, because you're right, there are chaplains within prisons within the army within everywhere from every different walk of, of faith right whether it's christian faith or otherwise and if we're not if we're not praying that god would give someone the right path right the the path that leads to darkness and destruction is wide and easy to follow And it just, it's, it's got me thinking. It, it truly does. Um, more so than most of our talks have, Matt. And it's... Um, it's because we brought Trina on. It's because we brought Trina. <laughs> Every time I get to talk to Trina, it's like my spirit is moved and it's just amazing. Aww. But, but I, I would definitely say it's important that we take time to pray for these people. On both sides of the aisle. That's a good point. Trina, do you have any last words about this article? No, just, I mean, keep this ministry that they're doing in prayer. Keep all prison or county. We need more county ministries because, mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of times <laughs> they'll call it um uh what do they call it religion inside you know they they're christian inside but as soon as they hit the door you know they lose it which is true in a lot of aspects but then you have the ones that you know that really catch on to it but you have we have to plant a seed somewhere so even if their their life is full of destruction and and addiction and chaos if we plant seeds in them while they're there and sober-minded and able to grasp a hold of it god waters it so you know i just i hope that more people can you know get something out of this and maybe i don't know start start some kind of ministry like this if nothing else then like brian said just pray for the people there pray for the people doing it um just just keep everybody in prayer. Sounds very important. I want to leave y'all with the last couple paragraphs of this article here. I'm gonna to read to you real quick. Remember, this is an interview. So the last interview question the article says, What have you learned about pastoral ministry from visiting these men on death row? And the pastor he says this, he says, It allowed me to fulfill part of the Bible. You know, in Matthew 25, Jesus says, when I was in prison, you visited me. He's saying, when you go to that person, you go visit that person, it's like you visit me. I didn't think Jesus would look like John Ramirez, but he does. So, gosh, I got to say yes to that. 